Now, in doing doing a little bit of research, uh, as I try to do, but you're you're a really hard person to to pin down, to to put in a box, you know, to summarize. How how would you how would you start to kind of summarize yourself and what you do on a day to day basis and and kind of what you what drives you? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think I think I would definitely. First and foremost, I think comes to mind is um, I'm 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 really an empath to be honest, and um, empathy drives me, and care drives me, and um, I think what fits so well with what I do every day is you're able to um, uh, perform that or give that to others um, on an hourly basis, you know, hour after hour, um, and I think that's probably that probably the number one drive for me is just to show up for others as best I can. Um, I suppose just to give mentality. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, generally, I think that would probably be the best way I would summarize myself without being too egoic. <laughs> mm. do, you, do you find, uh, like, because you've been kind of, you've been spreading out, uh, but then really growing on a number of fronts, you know, one minute you're doing, the PMs here going into international magazines, you know, you've got the TV stuff. Like, do you find that there is this kind of uh, leverage that comes? I don't know if leverage is the right word, but just this momentum that comes from, uh, you know, success in one area that feeds into another. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that it's been, that's been a really interesting part of the last two years for me is just how, um, how that momentum has just brought um, all these awesome opportunities. And um, I think the biggest thing I would say to that is to be in alignment with yourself and just to be um, happy in your own skin, feel good, um, do the things day to day that um, um, help you achieve um, your best true self really and I think once you get to that point or once you start um uh once you start working towards achieving that in your daily life then this yeah there is just this flow of abundance and some of these things that I got involved with over the last couple of years especially the television was so far out of my comfort zone and something I would never have really thought I would um ever say yes to um but in the moment of actually having to make decisions on that, it's that sort of moving out of the fear and just going for it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think um, uh, the other thing too is I think um, the Prime Minister really does support local. Like she's the, the ultimate in supporting local and taking local with her to the world. And um, I've been part of that journey. So I think, yeah, it's, it, there's been a lot of momentum that's come out of um, her global gloss. Yeah. Now, th th there will be, I've got to try and work, there's probably a couple of angles to this question, which I'll, I'll work around. But um, again, you know, when you, uh, when you are pushing forward on all, all of these fronts, do you feel like there is some pressure on your shoulders as well? Because you have become you've become in a way a spotlight uh, and there have been news reports about, you know, uh, the, the fact that seeing like for young uh, Māori and Pacifica to see, uh, to see you guys up and, uh, and glow, you know, glow up or uh, mm. with you doing what you do, do you feel like now there's something on your shoulders, which says that you can't fuck this up, that you have to, you know, you have to keep yeah. going and be a shining example for what is possible. Yeah, I think, um, 
Uh, that's such a good question. I think in te ao Māori, in, in the Māori world or in, in the Polynesian world, that is always there. Exactly what you just asked me is always there. It's intergenerational mm. and it's not a pressure. It's not a pressure at all. It's a responsibility. So I think, um, you and you do choose, you do choose and you do have the choice whether you take on that responsibility. And um, there can be parts of it, I suppose, that um, can make you feel under pressure. But I think if you, again, we go back to, if you, if you speak your truth and if you stand for what you know is right, then um, it's just natural, it's intrinsic. So, um, yeah, I think it, it's who I am. So that whole part of me isn't a pressure because it's who I am and it, it, it's, it's what I'm here to, to do and to be. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely a responsibility, but not a pressure. Mm. So can I, so I just want to work around this a little bit more because I'm, really, um, I'm, I'm really interested in this intergenerational thing as well. And there is, mm. you know, there's this, there is this kind of legacy. But, um, you know, when you talk about your grandmother and your ancestors and, um, you know, I've read pieces where you, um, where you talk about even the, um, uh, the pictures on the wall and, and how you've got that kind of connection there. Um, I mean, does that feel like it was something that was implanted in you from an early age? You know, that looking, looking back is also an important part of looking forward. So, you know, this connection that you have with your ancestors is also what really drives you to, um, as you say, like be a, a shining light for future generations. Is there some kind of connection there? Oh, absolutely, and the connect, and it's so simple. The connect, the, the connection, I suppose, is um, is that uh, they went through a lot for me to have the platform I have today, and that's over hundreds of years, mm. or even if we just look at the last two hundred and fifty years. And they did things they didn't want to do, and they did things that may they might not have been comfortable with, or they may have may have felt like they were selling themselves out for, but when I look at it, it's so moving to me that I am able to stand here and I'm able to hear, to be here to talk to you today because of that. So, yeah, it's pretty simple. The connection is that, um, again, responsibility and that's um, something that has been passed down. I grew up um, in a tiny Marae community just out of Hastings, 95% uh, Māori. Um, I don't know, probably a population of 100 people. And um, I think we do and we did and do still practice in many ways a traditional um, indigenous way of life so um, although we we grow up in this modern world um, we're definitely rooted in tradition and um, and uh, yeah genealogy do you do you feel like the tide is changing a little bit you know there, there seems to have been this gap between uh, indigenous values and then the the marvel of Western technology and the and the future and that kind of thing. But do you do you get the sense that uh, you know the Western world is kind of is realizing that things have been a little bit shaky? Like we cannot keep progressing in the way that we've been progressing and have a sustainable balance with the world. Do you get, do you get the feeling that people are starting to look at uh, some of these indigenous values that have allowed custodianship of uh, you know of amazing areas of the planet for thousands of years and going maybe there's something in that do you, do you kind of is, is there some sort of optimism in you that that the tide is turning oh yeah there is definitely um 
there is definitely optimism and I think there is definitely um, movement towards um, big change. But, you know, it can take one, one action that may seem small but may be huge in one, er in one country and what that, you know, that just can deflate your whole um, optimism on those sort of things. But I think generally um, there is more a movement. I think if you look at the spiritual and wellness movement, there's always been this um, correlation between um, indigenous culture and wellness and spirituality. Um, and I suppose in the Western world, in the wellness um, spiritual space, there is that connection and more they are more um, aligned to an indigenous way of thinking. But I think globally, yeah, it's definitely, um, there's definitely things happening. And I even just think with Black Lives Matter last year, and if, you know, there is, we have so much more of a voice now. And um, even just in the last year, because of, and, you know, awful that it took what happened last year um, for us to be more seen and heard. But I think, um, there's definitely a, a tide of change mm. Yeah. I didn't think I'd go too far down this track because we've got a lot to talk about. But, uh, you know, I had, I had I've read interviews where you have spoken about, uh, you know, this real, there are elements of racism in New Zealand. Like, we think we're pretty cool and progressive, but, you know, this is serious undercurrent in places. Can, can you talk, can you elaborate on that? And, and, I mean, do you see a shift there? Um. I see, uh, I see conversation, and that's actually really important because the conversation has needed to happen for a while, and um, the conversation opened up a lot more after Christchurch, and um, I think, again, like I said before, even more with um, Black Lives Matter, but I just think there is still a really ugly undercurrent of it here, and the worst part is our ignorance towards it. Um, I think it's okay to you know, we can't if we need to accept it before we um, move forward with it. And um, yeah, I think there's still so much more that can be done. But um, like I said, the conversation's happening, and I'm grateful for that. Have you have you personally, along the way, have you have you experienced hurdles purely based on your race, culture? You know, have you felt like you've had to take different pathways? Um, I, I don't think I have had to take, I, I have never had, felt like I have had to take different pathways um, as far as my professional career goes. I think in the beauty industry, the hair industry, um, it's always been a very diverse and accepting industry. And um, so I've always felt at home um, in this space. Um, a little bit, I've had, like everyone, um, like all people of colour, I have had experiences of it throughout, you know, my life outside of work and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, generally our industry is really, really amazing and always has been um, with diversity. But um, I do, I definitely think um, I have banged heads over situations, but my communication, I try and be, again, really... Um, I try and I try my best to communicate these sort of things with as much care behind my words as possible. So um, if we're looking at it as not telling someone off or telling them that they're wrong, opening a conversation and sharing your own experience instead. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't think if we're talking about pathways or opportunity, it hasn't hugely hindered my opportunity in my in my career. Um, uh, but it's different.
definitely, um, yeah, it's definitely, ch- it's a challenging day. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I, I promise this will be the last, this will be the last question uh, around this, because we've got a lot else to talk about. But um, the genealogy thing is still, I think, is something uh, that has so much potential for other areas as well. Like, you know, I grew up as a bogan in Johnsonville, and that was kind of my life. But my grandmother from the Cook Islands was very, she wanted to pass down the knowledge. She felt like it would kind of fall away. So um, spent, she spent a bit of time going over 500 years of genealogy. And that kind of, it was, it was a very, uh, it was a very altering experience for me. It was very, it was very uh, humbling, and uh, you know, because all of a sudden, like you're not the center of the universe; you're part of uh, this this thing. So, um, you know, it's kind of powerful and humbling at the same time. But you know, when we start looking at uh, things in an intergenerational uh, perspective, it really changes uh, some of the decision making. I mean, do you see that the, there is the potential for? Uh, you know, even businesses, and again, like this Western, uh, some of these Western values to really adopt that kind of thinking where it's not just like quarterly business uh, plan, you know, performance reviews. It's mm. really looking at the intergenerational kind of decision-making that sets, you know, sets future well, future generations up. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I think with this is that there is no better way to really truly find out who you are um, than knowing, and you would have found that with your journey on your genealogy. There is no, like there are so many little um, little things that, that, you will, um, that you will relate to once you start um, going into all of that sort of thing. And so I think um, one of the things, even in big business, one of the things even in big business is uh, we all want people to be as authentic as possible to achieve the best they can, and da, 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 blah, blah, blah. But to be the best we can and to, to, to really be our true self, we need to know our true self. So, yeah, I do think it would be really interesting um, rolling out that sort of thing. Just It doesn't even have to be, like, defined as, um, as, as a line, like a, gen, a genetic line of mm. genealogy, you know, even just... Um, people getting to know more about where they come from if they're disconnected from that more of the custom of where they come from um, and um, yeah just things like that I think there's little steps and small steps with um, tradition with language that we can take every day just to um, just to align ourselves to our true authentic self that's cool Cool. This is a clunky segue by the way but just in terms of you know taking that moment how would you and what is a dry and tea moment giant tea moment so what uh what we what we like to call our giant tea moment is um you know obviously clients um and whether you're going to the hair salon the beauty salon the massage therapist the barber what we're all here to do is to make you feel better to make you look better to um to make you just um yeah relax and chill and take some time which obviously we all need um these days so the giant tea moment, we offer 16 different teas. We're a tea house. We like to have that as a little bit of point of difference to any other hair salon. Um, but we're also a styling bar, so we do, we have a full styling service menu. But the giant tea moment to us is just when you can sit down, take some time, have a cup of tea, choose one of our 16 teas and just take some time for yourself. And um, I think 
the, the really the most important thing about that is that should be achievable or affordable for um, the boardroom executive right down to the solo mother. So we try and offer um, services that are achievable and affordable for everyone so they all get to experience that DMC moment. If, do, you, do you feel like, uh, you know, we've lost that, we've, we've kind of lost that along the way, like we've become so busy and so frenetic and always on the move that we've, that we've kind of lost exactly what you're talking about, you know, that, that just the, the need to take a, take a moment, you know, do you, do, you, do you see that in your world? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, do, I do see it a, a little bit and I see it with, um, you know, um, I think, we do obviously um, our the majority of our clientele are female, and so I see a lot of working women um, who just don't have the opportunity to do that. And yes, they're coming in and they're having a service, um, but they're on two computers. They've got their phone go. You know, they've mm. got you know they're multitasking. Um, they're texting the nanny. They're and. Um, that's not something to be ashamed of. I'm not calling that out. I'm just saying that you're right. This is the time we are living in. And um, I think I had a really interesting experience at Christmas time where I was supposed to go to Rhythm and Vines. And I wasn't totally, you know, that keen being a little bit old and all like that. But um, in the end, I just decided I wasn't going to go because I needed to stop. I had the most intense end of the year and um, all of that and I it was a really hard decision to make but in that moment you know at the time I just thought no I actually just need to chill out and just take some time and just stop mm. which was so valuable because I've come back this year and just hit the ground running so yeah I think it's just also knowing when when to actually tap out mm. so listening to your body listening to what's going on at, uh, if, you, if you're you know it's, it's okay to just put your hand up and go I'm not okay it's okay to go to a, say to a colleague I need help um, I think those little things are things we need to bring back a bit more um, or even just create more conversation around being okay. Yeah. Has that been, you know, as you, and again, going back to the start of the conversation where we're talking about this momentum that you're, uh, that you've achieved on, on all of these fronts, like, has that been a difficult process for you to keep that energy up, but then also find that time, you know, work on health and, and body and, and fitness and, uh, but still keep, doing what you need to be doing to get the momentum that you've got yeah it is and it, that's actually a really good question on balance because it is it's really it is hard and it is it is really hard finding finding the balance um but i think um like i said i'm like if you listen to your body and um it, it will tell you um the body always knows you know the, the body keeps score and it always knows so um, as far as trying to keep a balance between staying busy, keeping that momentum, taking, saying yes to all the things and the opportunities, um, I just, yeah, I sometimes I'll even, I'll even sort of feel really stressed or, or I've got so much going on, but need to get to do that workout or do that class, and I'll get there and I'll get five minutes in, and then I'll just know, and you know, and I'll just turn around and walk out, and you know, it's just I think it's just those, those little moments where it just doesn't doesn't feel right and you just need a rest mm. you know if, if you think if you think it do it if you think this is too much then sit down so it is so it's okay to quit sometimes yeah exactly yeah yeah no absolutely and it's not quitting it's taking a break <laughs> fair enough and so when you um is, do you find that sometimes that things overlap as well like you you know um 
uh, you working without a shako, uh, and then your your skin's looking great. Your joints are getting you know the the a buffering that they need. Does, does, is that help as well? Like when you've got a lot of where you can leverage some things along the way. Oh, absolutely! It, it helps in a huge way. I'm I have a rare form of um, arthritis called palindromic rheumatism, and um, so I have to deal with that sometimes. I have I can have flared up joints, but still want to get that um, workout in the bank, or still want to get that run in. And I've learned that if you you know if, if you can just push push through it. I find that if you push like if I wake up in the morning, I've got a flare. Um, if you just sort of push through it, um, it, it, mobility is actually the best kind of thing for it. Um, but I will go on to just saying that I. I was started on the ultra um, at Ashiko College in Powder, and I went on to the joint once they started um, uh, producing the joint collagen. And I really haven't had as many flares um, since taking it. And um, I've also had two knee reconstructions, and I'm noticing less pain in my knees. And um, and I think the joints. Um, the joint collagen is really good with the tissue and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I have really noticed a huge difference um, in, in um, the maintenance of my uh, arthritis is a lot easier. I, I was probably being a little bit flippant before about the, the comment about quitting when you need to, but for you to have uh, achieved what you've done and then and achieved the physique that you've that you've got while while also dealing with uh you know pain like that how i mean how how have you done that um well it was really funny when i first got diagnosed i freaked out like i, I well of course you do but i i freaked out in a sense of i just instantly thought am i still going to be able to be active and physical and how much is this is gonna is gonna hinder hinder that and um I talked to my friend Gus Ross, who um, is a physician with, I think, the Millennium Institute still. He was in Auckland. I think he's in um, uh, Cambridge now, Hamilton. And um, I said, I called him straight away and said, look, what's the deal? Like, am I still able to work out? Am I still able to do this, 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 and this? And straight away, he just planted that seed of, you know, carry on, push through. I know it can, it can be slow at the beginning, but once you get that movement, once you get it going, and it was so true. Um, the other thing with like uh, lifting weights or uh, generally with lifting weights, it does increase bone density. You're not just getting muscle um, mass and growth. You're also, it does increase or stabilize bone density. So um, yeah, I think once I knew that, which was straight after I had, I was diagnosed with this rheumatism, um, I was fine. And I, even some some days I couldn't even pick up a coffee cup, but I would go and I and I would just make do some lighter weights. And by the end of a forty five minute workout, just using lighter weights if I'm using my hands um, and my wrists, um, and I would have full mobility um, by the end of that workout. And then I would be able to carry on and come to work and use my hands. So it's been really interesting for me that experience, just getting up and just soldiering on through that pain. Um, yeah, how, how it can, um, yeah. And I also just came from a background of, you know, being fit and active my whole life. My parents were fit and active. I grew up on the sideline of a rugby field, of a basketball court. And so I just freaked out that that was going to be, um, mm. that that might not be an option anymore. And um, especially after coming out of two knee reconstructions in, I think, five years and um, 
rehabilitating fine with that. And um, yeah, so I think um, the Adashiko is actually just such a good supplement for my body and where I am, at what stage I am in my life at the moment. Amazing. Now you're talking before about, um, you know, the prime minister and her wanting to really uh, take us to the world, you know, really, really about helping, helping local go global and you in, in the creative, in the creative uh, kind of world, have you noticed that there is more of a spotlight on us here? Uh, you know, maybe because of the way that we've handled COVID, um, but is there more of a spotlight in just terms of how much creativity is here, how much, how much storytelling capability is here? Um, just to, yeah. pretty much how amazing we are. Well, absolutely. We're absolutely pumping. You know, if you look at the rest of the world at the moment, um, uh, we have Netflix here at the moment. We have Amazon here at the moment. Um, we have RuPaul's Drag Race about to start filming this week. Um, all these huge international, um, you know, we have the movies that are filming down south, The Hobbit, etc. Um, in the film industry, they're actually finding it hard to find um, enough workers at the moment. Um, so there is definitely, I think more than ever, because of um, uh, how uh, the state we are in as a country and that we are fully mobile. Um, you know, we have the most active economy, I suppose, in the world at the moment. So um, yeah, I think it's, it, it really is, um, it's more than a spotlight. I think we're at at the moment in the film and television industry globally. And um, I think that's really exciting. And I actually think it's really cool that the government are rolling with um, bringing these crews in. They're doing everything they need to do. They're quarantining. Um, and yeah, I think they're also working on American rules on set. So they're quite strict. Some makeup artists are in full PPE. Some hairdressers are in full PPE, even though we're in this um, sort of reasonably freer mm. um, mobility in New Zealand. But um yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, the spotlight's definitely on us at the moment in the creative film, television, production industry. And it's really cool because we had mm. a bit of a lull a few years ago. And, um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's really awesome to see that being so, so busy. Has this started to shape uh, some of what, you know, what your plans are and what you, what you want to tick off as well? Like, can you, can you, have you got any, any kind of, um, I don't know. Is there a bit of a plan for the next five or ten years? Yeah, there is a there is a bit of a plan. I think um, I really, you know, even though I said, you know, when I said to you earlier, um, I wasn't that confident with television work. I never thought it would be something I would do. Um, after doing Glow Up, I think I just had such of my own sort of glow up, and I was actually such a shy person as far as talking in front of people went. So. The reason why I said yes to that was to sort of get over that. And I really have now. So I think my, my short-term plan at the, at the moment is I would actually love to do more television, um, pre more presenting, um, like around that sort of thing. But I'm also thinking in the long term, if you're going to say 10 years, um, I'd love to study. I can see, you know, just um, this is the kind of job that you can't do forever. Um, and like I said, my body is really showing signs of, um, of, of, of a full a full life um so i don't know i think yeah i think in the long run i would actually really love to study in the next 10 years probably something like indigenous studies and um yeah eventually just work for my people i think the biggest thing with that is moving from a a, a 
a, a, a format where I work on one person at a time to uplift them or to make them feel better about themselves, to make them deliver that speech better, to make them stand up in that boardroom and feel more confident. If I can deliver that in a more community um, and more community where I can um, apply what I've learned over the last 22 years in this industry to whole communities, then mm. I think, yeah, that might be a long-term goal. Nothing serious or definite, but it's a dream, I suppose. I think that's a really cool dream. That's a really cool dream. And that's a, that's a really good place to wrap up. But I will ask one, one final question. It's kind of like a, it's a, it's a bit of a regular question for, for our interviews, but what's the best piece of advice that you've been given along the way? Oh, what's the best piece of advice I've been given along the way? Oh, that's a really good question. Let me just think about that one for a second. <laughs> I think it was probably my grandfather. And I grew up in my grandparents' home. And the best advice I was ever given was, you will only do great things. That's cool. And when that was, and being uh, the, with the, the mana that my grandfather had in my eyes, there was, I couldn't do anything else but that.